0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from 1 Samuel 8, 4-20. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to 1 Samuel in your Bible. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now now then, listen to their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, but we are determined to have a king over us so that we may also be like other nations, and that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles.
1: The more I think about that movie, though, the more, uh, the more I come to realize that like, that entire movie is a cautionary tale about not getting the things that we want. Uh, I, I could have shown probably any, any one of the clips from uh, any one of those children, like the one where the girl wants to eat the gum, uh, Violet, I guess is her name, and she turns into a giant blueberry, or the the scene where the, the 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 large guy from Germany decides that he's going to like lap chocolate out of the chocolate stream, and he falls in, and ends up going into the to the pipe. I I, I think there's something in us that we all uh, well we want what we want, and we want it now, right? Just like she, she sang, she wants all of those things, and she wanted now. And I think a lot of times uh, when, we, when we act like that, certainly for uh, Veronica Salt, or Veruca, Veruca, that's her name, uh, things didn't, go, didn't end up well for her uh, in getting, well, she didn't ever really get what she wanted, but uh, we don't ever know if she really got out of that, uh, that furnace or not. That's the, the fun of Willy Wonka. Anyway, um, we have a tendency to be rather short-sighted when we, want, when we look at what we want, right? Uh, and sometimes we get our wants mixed up with our needs. We think that we need something, and it's really just something that we want, and so we throw a fit, and we complain. You guys have never done that, right? No? Uh, I, I probably could ask you what, what happens when you don't get what you want, and uh, maybe you wouldn't always be as, as, uh, as honest as some of these, and maybe you would only point out like what the other people in your family do when they don't get what they want. Um, but it's, I think it's a human thing. In fact, I think it's, well, I think this desire for something that we don't have, um, that we think we need, I think it's as old as creation. Uh, at very least, it's as old as the first story in the Bible. Um, I think Adam and Eve kind of fall into this. They want, they want something. Uh, the serpent makes them believe that God is holding out on them, that God doesn't have their best interests in mind. And he says, if you just take that apple or whatever it was, that piece of fruit, and you eat it, then all of your needs, all of your wants will be fulfilled, and life will be good again. And of course, we know how that turned out for Adam and Eve, right? It didn't, didn't go so well, and it doesn't go so well for the, uh, the rest of humanity. Well, we are in the story. We, we're kind of switching some gears here, and uh, we're in the book of 1 Samuel, and, and this week and next week, we'll, we'll look at 1 uh, Samuel and uh the story of Israel to this point has uh you know started with Abraham. God promises Abraham uh, that he would become the father of a great nation and live in a land full of milk and honey and and you you know the story like they end up going to egypt and and they are in bondage and slavery, God brings them up out of egypt uh and time and time again though the Israelites complain uh they're not out of. Egypt very long before they're like worshiping a golden calf because Moses has gone away for a little bit and is talking to God. And things just don't go very well. They wander in the desert because they complain. They, uh, they get delayed from being in the promised land for 40 years because, well, they've complained and they didn't get uh, what they wanted right away. Even after they get into the land, though, um, the time of the judges... All over and over and over again, Israel, well, they, they aren't faithful because they don't believe that God is giving them the things that they should have. And, and so over and over again, Israel's neighbors take them over and oppress them. And God sends a judge to come and rescue them. Uh, despite Israel's faithfulness, this isn't something I say all the time, uh, that despite Israel's faithfulness, be, be, despite our faithfulness, God is always faithful. Faithful. That God has entered into covenant relationship with us. Um, that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have to pay the consequences for the decisions that we make. Well, we're at the time of the end of the judges, and um, and Samuel has uh, has become. Well, he's he's the actually a couple months ago we looked at his beginning story. Uh, he's not really a prophet. He's kind of a prophet. He's he's more like Israel's final judge, and he's getting. On in years, and he is old. And he has two sons, that uh, Joel and Abijah, and, and they are not, well, he hasn't done maybe the greatest job in raising these two boys. And so they aren't nearly the man of God that Samuel is. And so the, the, leaders, of the, uh, the leaders of the people come, and they say to Samuel, you are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us just like all other nations. Well, it kind of fits in with Israel's pattern of rejecting rejecting God as king. See, God's intention for Israel, this is why they didn't have a king to this point in the story. God's intention for Israel is that God would be Israel's king. That God would be the one to provide for them because that's the job of the king. God God would be the one who would protect them because that's the job of the king. God would be the one who would guide them in the way and the direction in which they should go because that's the job of a king. And over and over again if we read the Old Testament, that's they just keep on rejecting God as king until they get to this particular point. They see what they want. They think this is what they need. They've lost well they've lost the confidence that God is well that God isn't holding out on them or that God isn't providing them the things that they should have. So that my flourish, so that my flourish as a people, we want to be. Your old and your sons do not following your ways. A point for us than a king to govern us like other nations. Uh, they've looked around at other people and what other nations have had, and they said, "We want to be just like them." Despite the fact that God has told them over and over and over again that you are not like to be. You're not to be like those other nations. You are a royal priesthood, a priestly kingdom. You are my people who have been set apart for my, my purposes in this world. So Israel ends up rejecting him. And, and Samuel gets, uh, well, Samuel gets a little upset. And he, uh, he complains to God himself. He's like, hey, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting you. This isn't, isn't really fair. Uh, they've forgotten to... Uh, uh, they've forgotten who their king is supposed to be. God uh, talks with Samuel, and he says, Hey, listen to the voice of the people in all that you say. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being their king over you. Just as they have done to me from that day, I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. I Remember how I said, um, well, it, this is happens early on and often in the story well one of the things that God told Israel was hey when you get to your promised land it's going to be filled with good things and you're going to forget who it is that provided you these things and so even in Deuteronomy we have God saying this when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that you that he swore to your ancestors to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give you a land with fine and large cities that you did not build and houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God does everything God can to help Israel remember who they are God's called out in special people. What God has done for them, bringing them up out of slavery in Egypt. Remember, they have this Passover meal, which they are to eat every single year, that reminds them of God's greatest act of salvation for them to this point in their history. And it's not just that, but God provided for them, even in their sinfulness as they wandered around the desert, but God provided for them as they came into the promised land, a place that was set up for them to live. They'd forgotten that God is really king, that God should be king in Israel, that God had done all of those things, provided in all those kinds of ways, and fought their battles for them. Well, it's not like at this point in the story that the, the covenant that God had made with Israel was about to, like, expire. Uh, like I said, God has entered into covenant faithfulness with Israel, and God is going to remain Israel's God forever. And God will be king in Israel as long as Israel decides that they want God to be king. But I guess at this moment in history, God's maybe a little fed up with their constant and cyclical rejection of him. Uh, That God says to them, fine, if a king is what you want, then a king is what you'll get. And so God tells Samuel, no, they're rejecting me. It's okay. Tell them that we're giving, we're, God's going to give them a king anyway. But he does so with this warning. And I, I, want you to take, uh, I want you to count the number of times the word take appears in this particular passage. Okay. So Samuel reported all the words of uh, the Lord of the lords to the people who were asking him for a king. He said... These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his fields, his grounds, and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give them to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and your donkeys, and he will put them them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flock, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer in that day. How many takes? Six, very good, very good. Six times. Now, whenever you read the Bible and something is repeated over and over again, like it's, it's emphasis. they it did it on purpose. Now, now, contrast that whole statement with the passage from Deuteronomy that we just read. A king, getting what you want sometimes is only going to be having things taken from you. God, very at the very beginning, It's God who gives. God gave Israel life. God gave Israel a future. God gave Israel hope. God brought Israel into being a great nation. He gave them a land filled with milk and honey and houses and things. And yet Israel over and over again says to God, we don't want you as our king. So finally, we come to this point, and he's like, this is going to be it. This is what's going to happen. Now, if you were Israel at this point, do you think that you would listen to Samuel's warning or not? I don't know. It, it, those of you who have kids, like, have you ever, like, they've asked for something, like, an extra bowl of ice cream or more candy, like, you really want that? I'm going to let you have it, and you are going to suffer the consequences of your overeating. Maybe that's just me. Like, I want that extra bowl of ice cream or that giant breakfast burrito with eggs and bacon and jalapenos, and then I suffer the consequences of those things. Right. I, even in God's faithfulness, though, I think sometimes God gives us the things that we want when we complain about what God is not providing for us. And even though that God is still in covenant and steadfast relationship with you and me, he doesn't rescue us from the consequences of making those decisions. Israel wants a king. God gives them a king. And if we read this story on from here, it doesn't go very well. There are a couple of good kings, but these kings do exactly what God says they're going to do. Instead of giving Israel good things, they take Despite the warning, despite the warning that God tells Samuel to give to the Israelites, the Israelites say, no, no thanks. We want what we want. We want what we think we need. We'll take a king, please. I I really like this passage, and it may be a little twisted. I don't know. I think this passage resonates with me because I need to hear its warning more often than not. Uh, That you, you and me, Christ is our king. Uh, We live in a world that is dominated by just all sorts of different things. That causes us to to follow after and to to chase after a whole bunch of other things. And we have God calling to us who's given us good gifts in life saying, I want to be your king. And we say, no, no we want to be like everybody else. We want to be a king for ourselves. I think this passage resonates with me because I have to remind myself over and over and over again that the things that I want to serve will only ever take from me. That the only way... To have good and right life is to allow the God who created us, the king of the entire world, cosmos, universe, Jesus Christ, be the king for us here and now. And that means that that he's our, our only king, that we submit ourselves to what God wants us to do, what God is calling us to do, and that we might follow him only, I know, I know, some of your stories well enough to know that that in the past you have given yourselves to things that you want to be, well, you want to be your own king, and it has taken from you. If uh, life won't all be peachy and great, if you decide to submit yourself to Christ the King, I can't promise you that. That's not the New Testament witness because there's lots of persecution for those who believe. But I can promise you that if you want to be everything that God wants you to be, that if you want our church to be everything that God wants it to be, then we have to say to ourselves, you are God and king, and we are not. That money is not king, Uh, that power is not king, Uh, that sports is not king, but that Christ is the only king that we have. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's hard because, and I say this a lot too, there are voices screaming at us all day long, to try get us to serve things other than Christ the King. And so one of the things that I have found most deeply helpful in this regard is to pray the Lord's Prayer. That's why we started the service that way, even though the prayer didn't, I don't know, you were confused and I was confused. But it begins with a confession that God is King. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are God and King and Lord of everything. It's a confession that God is God and that we are not. Thy kingdom come, thy thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To pray this prayer means that we, well, that we aren't our own kings. And that the kingdoms of this world are not going to be like the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of this world are only ever going to take from us. To pray this prayer is to desperately and deeply desire that God's will, the world might be made new and right again. Give us this day our daily bread. To pray this part of the prayer is to trust that the king that Christ the King is going to give us the things that Christ the King wants to give us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I think part of the ways we try to be king in our own kingdom is to hold, well, unforgiveness over other people. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray. And I gotta think that in the back of his mind when he tells his disciples this, that at the back of his mind he thinks Israel has not been the kingdom that it should be, and it has not had God as king in the way that it should have. But God is doing something new the king of the universe comes down and becomes one of us gives himself in love and self-sacrifice so that you and I can have redemption and restoration and forgiveness from sins and defeats sin and death so that in the end, that you and I might be, we might be transformed into what it is that God wants us to be. People who love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Who place our hands, in our, place ourselves in God's hands in the fullest kind of way. I gotta think that's in the back of Jesus' head. I gotta think that's why this prayer has stuck with us for the last 2,000 years. It's that as individuals, as people, as the church who gather together to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King, that we need to constantly be reminded day in and day out that God is King and we are not. I want to encourage you this week to pray this prayer quite regularly. If you don't have it memorized, you can Google it and any translation you want and carry it around. But as we're gonna we're gonna sing a song in a little bit, and I want you to evaluate yourself just a little bit. As we sing and we pray, ask yourself, who or what have I tried to make king instead of Christ the King? And I want you to confess and repent that you have done so. And then identify a way in which you can, well, just give it up to God. And say, Lord, I want you to be king continually. King today, and tomorrow, and the next day. I want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have in steadfast love and faithfulness remained with us. That even like Israel, we have constantly and consistently rejected you as our king. We have chased after things that we think we want and we have found that the things that we think we want are just like the king that Israel wanted that only ever really takes from us instead of giving us true life, life abundant that only you can give us. Lord, I I ask that all of us here would, each day, kind of look at what it is that we have served, who and what that we have made king instead of you, and that we would confess it And lay it at your feet. And pray that your kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. Pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.